So there I am, right in the middle of triaging an ambulance run when my phone rings. I know something's wrong because my wife's calling me in the middle of a hospital shift. She tells me that she gave our two-year-old son a cereal bar that he hadn't had before, and after taking a bite, he came up to her and said, Mommy, my teeth hurt. A moment later, he vomited. Then she noticed his lips were a little swollen, and he had this strange rash around his mouth. He wasn't having any trouble breathing and was otherwise acting normally. You're listening to 911 Cast, the no nonsense EMS podcast. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week it's all about anaphylaxis. Every three minutes, a food allergy sends someone to the emergency department, and one in 50 Americans are thought to be at risk for experiencing a severe, life threatening allergic reaction. Anaphylaxis happens when an allergen enters the body and is recognized by guardians of the immune system known as mast cells. An allergen can be just about anything and is harmless to most people. But for some, exposure to an allergen causes their mast cells to overreact and release chemicals that cause an inappropriate and potentially life-threatening immune system response. The primary chemicals involved in anaphylaxis are histamine, prostaglandins, and leukotrienes. Histamine causes vasodilation, makes blood vessels leaky, raises heart rate, increases secretions, and produces that red, itchy rash known as urticaria or hives. Prostaglandins cause bronchoconstriction, hence why wheezing sometimes occurs. It also causes coronary arteries to constrict, reducing blood flow to the heart, while dilating other blood vessels, causing hypotension. Leukotrienes cause additional airway constriction and also make blood vessels leaky. This is why swelling often occurs with anaphylaxis. All told, this immune system freakout can quickly lead to death if we don't do something about it. Recognizing anaphylaxis can be a challenge because many of us, myself included, were originally taught about it in the context of anaphylactic shock. Anaphylaxis, just like sepsis, which we discussed in episode 1, is a continuum. The key is to identify and treat it early before it gets out of control. It's much easier to keep the boulder from rolling down the hill than it is to try and push it back up once it gets going. Common allergens that can lead to anaphylaxis include things like food, medications, insect stings, and latex. 90% of food allergies are related to fish, shellfish, peanuts, tree nuts, milk, eggs, wheat, and soy. I've heard some people say that milk allergies aren't as serious as peanut allergies. Well, in 2019, an 11-year-old girl in California tragically died from a milk allergy when she used toothpaste that contained a milk protein. Anaphylactic reactions usually start within minutes of coming into contact with an allergen, but this isn't always true. In some cases, symptoms might not occur for several hours. This can complicate your assessment because the patient might not even associate their symptoms with something they ate or came into contact with earlier that day. How many of us can't remember what we had for breakfast this morning when we aren't feeling sick enough to call 911? Okay, so how do we know if it's anaphylaxis or just a minor allergic reaction? First, if the patient is having any severe symptom and we suspect they had contact with an allergen, it's anaphylaxis. Severe symptoms include things like shortness of breath, wheezing, repetitive cough, syncope, hypotension, or signs of shock. But the list doesn't end there. Other symptoms are considered significant, and many of them are subjective, so you have to take the patient's word for it. Things like feeling tightness in the throat or hoarseness feeling like they're having trouble swallowing or a sensation that there's something stuck in their throat, 
While you can't measure these complaints, they're so closely related to the airway that you need to take them seriously. Sudden GI complaints like nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea are a common but often missed sign of anaphylaxis. For example, a person who's allergic to chicken and accidentally eats some rice that was cooked in chicken broth might suddenly start vomiting and think that they have food poisoning. They might even tell you that they think it's food poisoning, giving you an anchor bias that clouds your assessment and decision making. Anytime a patient reports a history that suggests that they may have had contact with an allergen and they have at least one serious symptom, they're experiencing anaphylaxis. Then there are minor symptoms like runny nose, itchy mouth, a few isolated hives, or mild nausea. If a patient is having just one minor symptom, they aren't anaphylactic. But here's the kicker. If they have symptoms from two or more body areas, then they meet the definition for anaphylaxis. So for example, a patient is allergic to cashews and accidentally eats a piece of chocolate that's made with cashew butter. A few minutes later, they develop some localized hives and mild nausea. There's no obvious airway involvement, they aren't passing out, they honestly don't look that bad. Yet we still call this anaphylaxis because there's at least two body systems involved. In this case, the skin and the GI tract. Okay, so we've identified anaphylaxis, now we need to treat it. First, put down the diphenhydramine. For some reason, many of us love our diphenhydramine. In fact, one study found that healthcare professionals failed to administer epinephrine in 80% of cases where it was indicated. Diphenhydramine inappropriately remains the most commonly administered medication for anaphylaxis. Alright, I can hear you all now. I've given diphenhydramine countless times and my patients get better. Just remember that diphenhydramine is an antihistamine and only treats histamine. Remember those leukotrienes and prostaglandins? Those are going to keep on doing their nastiness, and diphenhydramine is just going to hide some of the obvious outward signs of the brewing anaphylaxis, tricking you into thinking things are under control. Epinephrine is the sole effective treatment for anaphylaxis. It constricts blood vessels and increases blood pressure and cardiac output. It also reduces airway edema and opens up constricted airways. For adults with anaphylaxis, give 0.5 mg of 1 mg per milliliter concentration epinephrine as an intramuscular injection, preferably in the lateral thigh. The lateral thigh is better than the deltoid because it's a larger muscle and has better blood flow and absorption. For children, the standard dose is 0.01 milligrams per kilogram, also in the lateral thigh, never exceeding the adult dose. Epinephrine only lasts about 20 minutes. This means you need to reassess your patient frequently and be prepared to administer a second dose of epinephrine if the patient doesn't improve or gets worse. Local protocols vary, but epi is usually redosed after about 5 to 10 minutes if needed. Epi's short duration also means that it's not a cure for anaphylaxis, but a way of buying time. Patients that get better after using their own epi auto-injector or after you give them some epi still need to go to the hospital to receive additional medications like antihistamines and steroids. They also need to be observed in the ER for a minimum of 4 hours to make sure that they don't relapse back into anaphylaxis. Don't think that because Epi made them feel better, they're out of the woods and can safely stay home. Back to my son. If you recall, he wasn't having any obvious trouble breathing and was alert. He did have swelling to his lips, hives on his face, and was vomiting. Was he having a minor allergic reaction, or was he experiencing anaphylaxis? We know that he ate a new food, which puts him at risk for having an allergic reaction. His symptoms were seemingly minor, but they were coming from more than one body system. He had hives, affecting his skin. 
He had lip swelling, which was related to the leaky blood vessels. And the sudden vomiting meant that his GI system was involved. Based on this, he meets the criteria for anaphylaxis and should receive epinephrine as the first-line treatment. What about him saying his teeth hurt? Well, young children don't always know how to express strained sensations. By saying his teeth hurt, maybe he was trying to express an unusual tingling sensation in his mouth that an older child or adult might describe. Oh, and in case you were interested, it turned out he was allergic to cashews, and there were cashews in the cereal bar. Failing to recognize the subtle signs of anaphylaxis and waiting too long to administer epinephrine or not administering it at all can have dire consequences. Delayed epinephrine administration is associated with a significantly increased risk of death. Epinephrine is a safe and effective drug when given for anaphylaxis. In the past, healthcare professionals have been taught to fear epi, looking at it as if it's some extreme measure to be given as a last resort. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's it for this week's episode of 911Cast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another EMS topic. A big thank you to our friends at OneKit First Aid Kits for sponsoring us. Check out their professional-grade first aid kits and complete first responder kits at buyonekit.com. That's B-U-Y-O-N-E kit.com. Thanks for listening.